On the edge of a fen, fireflies light the misty air. Down beneath the rootwa lies my den, my lair. The filtered moonlight trickles down through the branches of the trees, shining on the Spanish moss that's swaying in the breeze. All the frogs go silent as I go passing by. Even the nighthawks, they stifle their cries. While the alligator sleeps in his duckweed pond, I silently lap up water, then I swiftly abscond. There's mud in my veins and muck in my arteries. My breath is like sulfur, keeps away the mosquitoes and fleas. My teeth are sharper than green briar thorns. My heart is the place where bitterness is born. At daybreak, the red-winged blackbirds sing of my misdeeds as they flit and flap and fly around in the cattail reeds. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness engulf. There's someone that you need to find. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness engulf. You need someone to change your mind. You need someone to open your mind. Hey, welcome to the Swamp and Wolf Podcast. This is Chris, and I'm sitting here with my friend Kat. You want to say hello? Hi! <laughs> I'm Kat. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kat, do you want to tell the folks a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Um, I'm Kat. I... Uh, I I guess for work I do I'm a wedding photographer I'm a photographer I like prefer to say that I'm just a photographer but um, mm -hmm. a lot of where I get my business is from photography and then I climb which is how I know you and mm -hmm. yeah, this is always a really hard question <laughs> to answer <laughs> um, just a person <laughs> yeah 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 that's fine <laughs> um, yeah and so we were kind of talking about how we met a little bit ago, because I, I remember meeting you really at Rymer's. Mm -hmm. um, Rymer's Ranch, for those of you who are familiar, is a, or who aren't familiar, it's a climbing spot in Austin, or outside of Austin, and um, yeah, I think maybe we had met previously at the gym, but if we, if we talk about like when we actually probably started, uh, I don't know, saying hi to each other yeah. or something it was it's, like after that it's always really weird at the gym because i feel like you see people and you're like i know you but i don't know you i just know your face right <laughs> so yeah um yeah and you had uh you made a little bond with hey duke yeah <laughs> and uh so yeah uh and yeah we've been i think more recently for whatever reason just i don't know what sparked I think it was like you just asking me to go to the gym or something. Yeah. And it seems like we've been talking more in the past couple months. Um, but it's been good. It was good. We had like some good real conversations and, <laughs> uh, on the way to Katie to climb at the gym there. Yeah. And yeah, I was just like, I need to get you on the podcast because <laughs> we had some pretty like, I don't know, serious conversations that were, that could have been recorded then <laughs> and been really good 
it's uh i don't know if it's like it's weird i don't think i'm capable of not having a deep conversation <laughs> yeah i like that i mean i don't know i like both well i don't like I don't really like the very superficial conversations, but like, I like to be silly sometimes, I guess. And then I'm really loving like the deep conversations these days. So, um, yeah, it was nice to just be able to be open with you about some stuff that was going on in my life and hear your side of things, um, and how you've kind of dealt with some of the same stuff. And, uh, I guess what we talked about I don't remember exactly how we got on it, but we were talking about, like, relationships with our parents, and, um, yeah, I don't know, I just, I talked about it on the podcast before, but, like, I'm struggling a bit to, like, have, a like, a serious relation, or, like, I don't know, I guess I'm struggling to be myself around my parents, you know, I feel like I'm acting like someone else, or, like, just uh, I don't. I guess that's how I feel. It's a. I think it's a weird thing with parents because as a child, you you know they're like this figure that's an authority over you, right? And you answer to what they tell you to do, and then you become this adult, and especially like in America, I'm not like I'm half Indian and half Spanish, and so in our culture cultures, you typically live with your parents until you get married. You don't like move out mm-hmm. of the house and start your own life and become like not like that you're not your own individual but your life is very much attached to theirs and everything is very family based and Mm -hmm. um growing up in America I felt that anytime I went back to visit my family in Singapore or I visited my family in South America there's always this differentiation between us because they felt so much closer to their family especially once I had gone to college and moved out Mm -hmm. and then I did to mine and it was as if because you go to college you move out and then you start your own life and you sort of sever this relationship right and you I think you you become your own person and your parents aren't there for that and they're Mm -hmm. not there to witness it and so you almost feel like at least for me sometimes I feel like I have to be this person that I think my parents think I am right Mm -hmm. um and then it's hard to bond with them and obviously there's like things that you don't want your family being privy to like they don't need to know Mm -hmm. certain things I don't know I mean some people have that relationship where they tell everything to their parents but yeah Uh, that's a good point I mean I think like that got me thinking about uh just going to college and and like changing and stuff like but I don't know if in high school I really had a super strong relationship with them either I don't know like but I will say when I went to college uh, and became a vegetarian and came home uh, already there was kind of like that that caused like a rift I think you're like you know it, they um, they really didn't like that I became a vegetarian they gave me a hard time about it and they were like they still sometimes, not very often anymore, but they would talk about like, oh, he went to Austin and Austin's weird and <laughs> he came back and now he's weird, like, you know, and it's yeah. just like, I don't know, it was, I don't know, I don't know what to say else, what else to say about it. 
Um, yeah. But, um... I think it's okay if you don't get on with your parents, I think. Or have, like, I mean, I don't have the closest relationship with mine. Like, my mom has been absent from my life since... I mean, I moved, I first moved to the U.S. in, in 1993, and I didn't see my mom from 1993 until 2015. Mm-hmm. And I had no communication with her. Like, when people ask me about my mom, I'm just like, yeah, she's this person that gave birth to me, but she's not, like, when you think of, like, a mother-daughter relationship, that's that's not who she is to me. She didn't bring me up. She wasn't there for things that I needed a mother to be there for, you know? And it's hard to build that relationship, I think, when people haven't been there for you like that, or if you haven't established that kind of relationship with someone to begin with. Yeah, I guess maybe it's like my Catholic upbringing or something, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I have a lot of guilt tied to, like, not having a better relationship to them or with them. Like, I don't know. I They they have done a lot for me. But at the same time, and I think what I was telling you about, too, is, like, they had... They, they can be very judgmental and they had this idea of who they wanted me to be and I'm not that yeah. like I'm, I'm not a doctor or a vet which for some reason my mom like really wanted me to be one mm-hmm. of those and um, she could bring it up a lot I've like gotten very angry with her the last few times that she's brought it up mm-hmm. and so I feel like she's she hasn't brought it up in a while, but yeah, she used to always bring up like, oh, I wish you were a doctor or whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, I guess that started to wear on me just like the feeling of like not being good enough Yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I had, I had an experience like that with my dad when I moved back from, so I, I moved to the UK in uh, 1999, and then I moved back in 2016, and I, I, I didn't, I went to boarding school, and I boarded, roomed with a bunch of other girls, and I wasn't around my family. I spent my formative years basically growing up alone, and I felt like I've been alone since, like, the age of 11, and, um, when I came back, my dad well you have to understand too like south asian mentality like a a b is never good enough like a b is like well why didn't you get an a or if you got an a why didn't you get an a plus if you got an a plus like why not an a plus plus like oh this is great but you could have done better Mm -hmm. or oh you you got the best grade in the class but why aren't you top of the year or like there was always like one step better that you could be Mm -hmm. and i don't think it was until recently really in having conversations with my dad that you know, I, I realized that it was just that he wanted better for me than he had, especially being an immigrant to the U.S. He mm-hmm. just wanted me to have a better life, and he wanted every possibility that was out there for me mm-hmm. to be successful, like, laid out on the table for me. And his the idea of that was having a really good education. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to have a talk with him when I moved back because I was in nursing school, and I was doing photography as an elective, but I've always loved photography. And when I made the choice to switch from a nursing major to photography, mm-hmm. shit just hit the fan. 
my family was like, you'll never make money, you'll never be successful. Like, how do you expect to survive through life and not struggle? We like, we don't want you to struggle. And I had to just sort of put my foot down and tell my dad, like, I want you to see me for who I am, not for who you think I can be. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm good at this. I love it. Can you support me in that? And that's all I need. Like, with your support, I can be successful. But if you don't have, if I don't have your support, then it makes it even more harder. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like helped my dad a little bit because I think he had a strained relationship with his parents too. Mm-hmm. Like he left Singapore at 18 and traveled, like joined the Merchant Marines and traveled the world because his parents didn't want to see eye to eye to him. And it made his life. I mean, he loved what he did, but I think he mm-hmm. missed, when we talk about it, he missed uh, having that relationship with his parents because he like moved as soon as he could move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... You brought up a lot of good points. It was like, I don't know, I guess just like, especially when you're talking about, you know, what your your dad's experience was. And I think that's a lot of where, you know, my parents, you know, are acting or saying certain things is because, you know, of how they grew up and what their experiences were and how they just want better for me, you know. Um... And so maybe I just need to, like, stop being so sensitive about, (laughs) you know, those conversations and just be like, it's coming from, it's coming from a place of love and wanting, like, better for for me, but... But there is a way to word the ways you care in a way that doesn't feel like you're being attacked or being told that you're not good enough, and I think... And I think... it, It takes work to learn how to do that. Yeah, it sounds kind of like I just need to also, like, have the hard conversations with them. When I, when something is bothering me that they're doing, I just need to be like, all right, look, uh, you just said something that <laughs> irritates me, and, like, just let them know, you know, instead of just avoiding them or, like, you know, not trying to, like... I think, I mean, that's kind of what I do. I talk to my mom whenever she calls. I hardly ever call my parents um and I hardly have seen them I I feel like almost I've been using coronavirus as like an excuse to like just like I don't need to see see them you know (laughs) um and uh yeah but I mean they're way more understanding and stuff than I give them credit for Mm um I told them about my experience in March, the ayahuasca experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, f- I didn't just outright say, like, I did something, like, I did this. I, like, framed it around, like, hey, I've been struggling with mental health my entire adult life. I finally, like, found something that has healed me. Like, even if it's temporary, it's been, uh, I don't know, nine months now. Um... And I, I haven't had depression since then, you know? And my dad was like, I'm proud of you for doing it. Yeah. Like, uh, like it must have been scary to, you know, to try something new like that. And I'm proud of you. And my mom was like, well, I'm not proud that you did that. <laughs> but I'm happy that you're, yeah. you're, you know, not struggling with depression anymore. So, um... And at the same time, she's like, 
should I do it? Because <laughs> she's struggling with depression too. Um, so, you know, and I don't know that I would recommend it for her because she's just, or if, if she does, she has to prepare herself right. for it because she's got a lot of um, hangups that I think would make it a potentially bad experience for yeah. her. I think sometimes we forget that our parents were people before they had us. They were these different people. Mm-hmm. They had aspirations. They had, you know, like they had ideas of how their life would go. And like we have ideas of how our life will go. And the, the older I get, you know, the more I realize like you can't, you can kind of plan, but you can't really plan, right? You can have like a goal and you can do your best to reach that goal, but nothing is going to be exactly the way that you want it to be. And, um, you know, I think, too, at least, like, my dad's 73, I think. Um, he comes from a generation where you just didn't speak about how you felt or, like, that you were sad or that you were struggling, especially as a, as a male, especially as an Indian male. Like, no, you just sucked it up and, like, nothing was wrong and you put on a brave face and you got on with it. And I think it's important to create, like, a space of vulnerability to be able to speak about this and for you to go to your parents and be like hey I did this I had this experience mm-hmm. I've been struggling with this like they probably were like wow I you know we struggle with this too but we can't like talk about it with anybody I think a lot of people mm-hmm. have a hard time opening up about speaking about mental health and whether they struggle with it or what they feel mm-hmm. yeah um yeah it was interesting I don't know uh my mom is definitely like getting all spiritual and stuff about it and like she's very superstitious um she's catholic and i think like there's some kind of disconnect there too like because uh, she believes in kind of like witchy stuff like she believes that it exists and yeah. like all that but I think that she has, like, the Catholic guilt of, like, uh, I can't act on that stuff or, like, I'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, God, you know, yeah. God will not like it. Um, and so, I don't know. It's like I'm I'm at this place right now where my mom seems kind of interested in some of this other stuff that could help with her depression and I kind of want to be like just try some of it like I know I know someone who knows someone who uh, (laughs) I don't know exactly how it works but it's called like a soul retrieval Mm -hmm. have you heard of something like this? no the way it was worded to me was like when a person dies sometimes they take a little bit of another person's soul with them okay and that's what my mom has been struggling with the most is like her after her parents died um she's just that's what she's depressed about and uh i kind of want to just be like just talk to this lady like you don't have to do it if you don't want to but like just feel it out i don't know i i guess i guess i'm like in a place now where i can work on my relationship with my parents yeah (laughs) uh like I feel like since I opened up to them I don't know I'll just see how it goes 
It's really all you can do is just give it a chance. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And don't beat yourself up over it. You know, like our family isn't our chosen family, right? Like you choose your friends because you want to be around them and you're sort of born into a family and you don't always get to pick who you get to be with and it's not always, I don't know, roses and rainbows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I get like some envy when I like... I definitely do. See some other family that's like um just hanging out and like laughing together and yeah. like I don't know I feel like whenever I go to my family things I'm like so like I'm just there I'm not really participating and yeah. I'm not like I feel like I just I'm not being myself and I, when I see other people who seem like they can just be themselves around their parents it's like I kind of want that. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. I get, I get NBS to seeing families that just like, they get along and they do everything together and, mm -hmm. you know, they have all these like, oh, as kids we used to do family vacations here and family vacations there and I, like, I go back and think in my memory and I was like, oh, it's just me and my sister are always just like latchkey kids, I guess, wasn't that the term? when. Mm -hmm. You were just given a key to go home and you'd be home like i don't have memories of either my stepmom or my dad being at home it was just always my sister really? and me so i'm really close to my sister but when it comes to either of my parents including my step parent it's not really like the best relationship hmm. yeah yeah so i don't know um yeah i don't i just I don't know if we beat this into the ground, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about About parents? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, as with anybody, you just have to be patient and be kind. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't, what has somebody told me once? They were like, you don't know what you don't know, right? So, like, you, like, your parents don't know what you're going through unless you open up about it to them mm -hmm. right you don't know what they're going through unless they open up about it you can't go through life trying to anticipate or guess or think about what someone else is thinking or what they're going to say or what they're going to do you'll go insane doing that mm -hmm. yeah yeah good point um yeah i'm just thinking about my mom and like how she got along so much with her mom and called her mom like every day. Yeah. And whenever my mom calls me and I like see it, I'm kind of like, ugh. Mm. You know, like there's like a little bit of dread <laughs> whenever she calls. I'm like, oh no. Uh, it's so, it feels bad. Like, I don't know. And it's not like, most times that she calls, it's not like, it's not a bad conversation, it's just, it, it feels like there isn't a real connection, at least coming from me, like mm -hmm. I just, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm just on the other end and just listening and like participating as little as possible. She's like, oh, how was your day yesterday? Good. Yeah. You know, like, one-word answers, like... <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I I think 
And it's so weird because, like, I'm, like, loving talking to people right now. Yeah. And I just don't want to talk to them. Um. Maybe if you were to spend more time with them and get to know them more as people rather than your parents, you'd be able to connect with them a little more. I, I don't know. I, I think I need to, like, talk about the stuff that I'm interested in with yeah. them. Which is, like... Right now, I'm, like, into, like, mental health and all this stuff, and, like, I don't know. I'm just, let, let me just see where it goes. Because I think my mom, actually, like, one of the things we bonded on, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, too, but we bonded on the whole Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. thing this year, and we used to have, those are some of the best conversations I've had with my mom in a long time. Um, just talking on and on about, you know, the Black Lives Matter thing. Um, and, yeah, just her, like, passion for, like, uh... Equal rights. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it was cool to, to just bond with her about that. Um, it tells me she's a good human being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know they're, I know they're both good people. I just... I don't know, I need to, I don't know what it is. I've got like a mental block or something too. Because I'm like bonding with everybody, <laughs> but not them. You're bonding with everybody to avoid bonding with them. That's what's <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say about it. <laughs> I think we should probably move on. Okay. That. Um, mostly just, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of talking myself in circles. Yeah. About. Um, but yeah. Um, what else did we talk about? Um, my car ride. We talked about depression, like mental health, like that came up a mm -hmm. lot. I think because um, I'd posted something on my Instagram, being very open. Mm-hmm. About my well, how I've dealt with depression or the experiences that I have with depression and anxiety mm -hmm. um, and just trying to create a space for that because mm -hmm. I come from a family that doesn't talk about it mm -hmm. like we sweep it under the rug to the point where I've recently found out that I have had like great aunts grand uncles like people in my direct family that do suffer from depression and we just never talk about it and they never got the help that they needed because it was like, it's not existent. Like we can just pray it away, you know, mm -hmm. which is not the case at all. Um, I think for me as an adult, what has helped me get through some of my darkest spells, is just like having a community to understand that what I'm going through is, it's like what I go through and I need support to not stay in a dark place. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes that looks like, hey, do you want to take a walk up to the park with me? Or can we go climb and I not make a conversation with you? It's just creating a space where you can exist as yourself without having to explain it mm -hmm. to people. Mm -hmm. But then also being able to talk about it without people thinking that you're just being a Debbie Downer. Because mm -hmm. I, I think that's like a fear that I have that when... I am depressed. I am somewhat of a Debbie Downer, right? I'm just like, uh, I'm here existing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like. It feels like getting up in the morning is a struggle. And it's not like I want it to feel like that. It just feels like that. I can't explain it to you. Um, and then some days I'm like, oh, I'm so glad the sun's out. Like, let's go mm-hmm. skip rocks or like do. And, it, and that's just the way life is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I found that whenever I started opening up about my depression, like people weren't running away and like uh I don't know like yeah I mean I kind of had this idea that like that kind of conversation pushes people away but um it actually allowed for a lot of like tools and things like that you know people like offering oh this is like something I do whenever right I'm in that kind of situation and um yeah I mean I, I learned a lot just by being more open about it um but yeah it's you can definitely like create this idea in your head that makes everything harder you know it's like um because you're so down on yourself that you think you know nobody else wants to be around you but like people don't feel that way or and it's um I guess it's just good to remind yourself that like um it's a so I don't, R- Rupi Kaur. I read a lot of her poetry, and she came out with a new book recently called Homebody. And one of the poems in there said, um, "You know, you you're feeling lonely, but you're not alone, and there's a difference between that, mm-hmm. and know that that's the difference." And I think with depression, um, a lot of it you do you feel like you're this one person in the world feeling this and nobody else is feeling it and nobody can understand and you can try to help people understand by like opening up about it but it can feel very much like you are alone because you feel so lonely carrying this weight on your shoulder of, of what you're what you're feeling but you're not alone when you create a community and you create that open space to be talking about it and take resources from each other on what helps you what helps someone else you're you're not you're just like you can feel lonely but you're not alone and Mm -hmm. I think that's important to remember Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah and with the pandemic I mean I I lucked out in that I kind of solved this whole depression thing and I say I solved it like it um but I don't know if that's the right word but I'm really grateful that the timing of that was what it was because so many of us are alone right now, you know, it's like people who are single and live alone. Um, but it's when I started to like, I don't know, feel self-love too. And I got really into meditation mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so even like I, I did like the solid two weeks where I did not leave my place whenever I got back from Australia. Yeah. I didn't go out for groceries. It was like whatever I had from before <laughs> my trip. That's what I was eating. It was like a lot of rice and beans. Yeah. And like, um, Did you go a little stir crazy? <laughs> uh, no, I mean like I, I did um, so much meditation, and I'd never really done it as well as like 
I, I have been doing now or like since that experience um and I was like man the mind is like a beautiful place to explore like there's uh, I might be like trapped here inside of an apartment but like inside my mind I've got like endless you know places to explore it's just like your mind can just travel and I don't know it's like I just finally like found how to be happy by myself and yeah. it's like this is incredible that's amazing I think a lot of people <laughs> spend a lifetime looking for that and don't realize that it's within themselves uh-huh. and I think that that's for me that's definitely been something that I've been able to find more within the climbing community especially because there's a bunch of amazing females that like really try to lift each other up mm-hmm. um and you know um it helps you just sort of especially with climbing i'm like look at what my body can do i just mm-hmm. carried myself up the wall 10 feet outdoors where i could fall and break a leg or mm-hmm. you know um and then it just like brings you to these like beautiful landscapes mm-hmm. you're just sitting in and then you when you're sitting in it all you're just like just so much bigger than this like it's so much bigger than just me and Mm -hmm. it just sort of just helps you appreciate the beauty all around you as well as like the beauty within you Mm -hmm. and um yeah i think the last two years of me not feeling as depressed as i have been in the past have had to do with just like more Mm self-love which is something you have to teach yourself too i think because we live in a society that i think like capitalizes off of you not loving yourself like oh you are not skinny enough do this diet plan or mm-hmm. um you don't look as beautiful as you think you do or could look so do this facelift or do this or you know i think it like that's the sad part that society capitalizes off of it and we sort of all give into that and believe mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that story but it's not true like all every single human being is beautiful in their own way and we just have to find that love within ourselves Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and i've talked about my um struggle with self-love before but like one thing that i haven't done that my neighbor recommended to me to do because i was telling her about like you know my issue my body image issues and (laughs) and she was like you should do yoga naked like in your apartment like I was I was like I don't know about that I still haven't done it she told me to do this like a really long time ago I still haven't done it but uh she's like yeah one of my friends like she sets up a mirror and she just does yoga naked in front of the mirror and like she's she's like I'm learning how to love myself this way like I'm seeing I'm seeing my body in all these different positions and it's like I've just got to love it, you know, like, respect it for what it is. Right. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> Since I talked about it, maybe I'll do it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in general I'm, I've grown a lot with the self-love, but I'm still not, like, I don't know if anyone is ever, are there people who are, like, completely there, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I've met anyone. Maybe that's like, like narcissists. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> but I think we all struggle with our own 
sense of are we enough you mm-hmm. know and I think that's where self-love stems from this are we enough and if if you accomplish something why well, could have done that better you know and, and maybe that also stems from how we were brought up mm-hmm. yeah. it's lots of deep soul searching and like ancestral trauma maybe that we have to all work through because mm-hmm. it's 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 learned behavior, I think. It's not like you're born and you're like, I don't love myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think kids really have to think about mm-hmm. it. I think as a child, if you think about it, it's because somebody has said something to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I know as a kid, being the only brown kid in school in a lot of my classes, I became very aware of it when somebody was like, we're not the same color Mm -hmm. and the minute somebody said that I was like oh we're not and then I realized that I wasn't white and I I don't really remember like I just remember the specific moment when I was like oh I'm not white but before that it didn't really matter it didn't really cross my mind like I was just a child and I had friends Mm -hmm. and we were the same and then when someone pointed that out it was just in my mind and I couldn't get rid of it and sort of became this thing for me where I was aware of it in every room that I went where it'd be like, well, who in this room looks like me? And it sort of has carried on through life a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm hyper aware of it, I think. And, um, you know, with the events that happened over the summer and Black Lives Matter, the whole movement, it made me, it brought up a lot of feelings of, oh, I go through life feeling angry and this is why. Because I feel like I'm having to try to fit into a space where I don't feel like I belong because I don't see myself represented. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, just like brought a lot of that up to light for me that I didn't realize I was dealing with because I didn't feel I had the right almost to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so do you want to like get into like, (laughs) I think we should get into this a bit. Okay. So, you know, we clearly have, you know, systemic racism. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just wondering like, what are your thoughts on, how do we, how do we, grow I mean obviously you know we can change laws and legislation and all that stuff to like um to try to change some of this stuff but like what else can we do you know what I mean like uh to make people just feel I guess representation right representation I think is a huge place to start Mm -hmm. um as a like as a child I wanted to see Okay, so who's who's the Disney character that you most identify with? That I most identified with? Yeah. Probably Mowgli. Okay, why? Um, I don't know. I guess he is kind of like, uh, olive-skinned. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess that's kind of... I identified with Jasmine. Yeah. Because I was a girl, I wanted to be a princess, she was yeah. brown, she was Indian looking, she was uh-huh. Arab, uh-huh. you know, um, it's, 
so it starts as at a young age like if you don't see yourself represented in public figures and mm-hmm. like people that you look up to people that you admire if you don't see that being represented then you you become aware of that and you don't feel like you can like be as uh, as accomplished maybe is the word I'm looking for or you know I think I think like President Obama becoming President Obama was a huge thing for the black community because it gave black children hope that hey I can become the president one day Mm -hmm. there is me being represented and that's really important Kamala Harris becoming vice president you know that's I can become the president one day or the vice president whereas like before that wasn't there mm-hmm. so representation is very important it's it's important in 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 fashion it's important in uh sports it's important in education um you know like in stem and cell research and mm-hmm. um geology and, and and lots of things like seeing yourself represented in those spaces means makes you feel like you'll be able to come into that space and be successful Mm -hmm. yeah no i think that's great uh any so what else (laughs) i'm like uh, uh just trying to think of like ways that kids you know i think community programs too that are more inclusive to people of color and Mm -hmm and black children or mm-hmm. black youth. Um, uh, there is a gym in Tennessee called uh, Rocks Climbing, and mm-hmm. they work on a nonprofit system mm-hmm. to allow the black community to have a way to climb, especially because historically, I believe, I think it's rocks climbing. I don't want to get that wrong. Um, it was in the, um, the last... Uh, my mind is like escaping me right now. Um, the magazine the, or something? No, the real rock and the last real rock. Oh, okay. Um, and I think that that's a great idea because you don't they, they don't turn anyone away. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you can't pay. That's okay. You can volunteer your time to work a shift to pay for the time that you wanted to climb. Hmm. And I think that's a great concept because you're not telling people that you're not welcome and you're mm-hmm. allowing and creating a space for people to do something that they've never done before or mm-hmm. do something that they want to try. Um, I think education, I think it starts there too. Yeah. Um, sure. Creating equal opportunities because how, how are you to get to the same place if the starting point wasn't equal to begin with? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was listening to the podcast called Dear, Dear Nice White Parents. It's by the New York Times. It discusses the difference in education from affluent white communities and like the projects in New York and how school systems are just or it's just becoming very crowded in in the school zoning areas and how um, a lot of affluent white parents will come in and try to reprogram what's happening at the school but then those programs are only available to those kids that the parents have like vouched like not vouched for but try to speak up for her and say i want my child to have this opportunity but why isn't the opportunity available for everybody mm-hmm. um, or starting with their own schools some of them would start their own schools so they're able to create those programs and and then never send their kids to that school mm-hmm. so then they were taking away 
um, like the attendance that was available for that school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's things like that that you don't think about when you move into a neighborhood because you hear the school is good, but people that are already there that are struggling to stay there get pushed out mm-hmm. because you're raising rent by gentrifying and then therefore, you know, like that's not an equal opportunity for a child to be able to go to just as good as a school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you have any other thoughts on, uh, like, I don't know how to improve. I think, our, I think if we all, if we all volunteered yeah. time to our community, to a community that's not just what we're comfortable with, we would mm-hmm. learn so much more. Like take, take a day to walk in someone else's shoes Mm -hmm. and you would be more open to understanding what changes need to be made because again you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. like you don't experience life the same way that I experience it because you're a man and I'm a female Mm -hmm. so some of the things that have been said to me have never been said to you Mm -hmm. um it's like I've never liked the police, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's people that are always like, the police are just weird. Like, why do you have to, like, carry a gun around? Mm-hmm. Why do you have to be rude? Why do you pull someone over just to pull someone over? Um, but your experience as a police is different from my experience as a police, which is definitely different from the experience of a black American. Mm-hmm. Um, they have... Like, I don't drive down the street in fear that if I get pulled over, I might go to jail. But that is, like, a genuine fear mm-hmm. of black Americans. And you can't say that that's not true and that they're overreacting because it is. And mm-hmm. rightfully so. Like, they're, 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 they have to fear their life. Like, they don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it starts there also just acknowledging, I think, that this is a fear that exists and not trying to take that away and not trying to gaslight experiences, not trying to say things like, well, are you sure that's what happened? Or, well, maybe you heard incorrectly or, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I heard Makad Brooks, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was talking about, like, how, you know, for generations it's there's been this conversation that, you know, black parents have to have with their kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is how to act if a cop ever talks to you. you know? right. Like, you have to, you have to teach kids to like be very respectful or else like you know there's an opportunity that they're gonna get arrested or get hurt you know like the police officers are gonna potentially be brutal and and show excessive force or whatever and it's like that's not a conversation that well actually that is that's it wasn't framed like that quite for me but my mom did have a conversation of like this is how I do remember having that yeah. conversation. This is how to act if a cop ever pulls you over to talk to you or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think it was framed necessarily as like a police brutality kind of situation, but I did have that conversation. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's. I think as a society, we need to educate ourselves more. Mm-hmm. And like read more, attend classes to mm-hmm. just because history wasn't told to us the way that history actually happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's like 
mind blowing for some of the things like even me and there's some stuff that I'm just like wait what <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I liked your idea of like I don't know just I kind of like this idea I don't know how it would work but I'm imagining like there's like a, a stipend that like just pairs people randomly like yeah. <laughs> once a once a month and it's like okay you gotta like sit down with this person and like eat a meal with them and let's like have a conversation or whatever and it's like that way we just like can hear stories of what other people are going through and um or what they have been through and and get a better understanding and um I don't know but yeah volunteering I mean we we briefly talked you and I about like how do we get climbing in Houston to be more open to, um, I guess, you know, black, indigenous people of color, but, like, maybe just whoever can't necessarily afford it, I don't know, I think maybe that's, like, a... I've had multiple conversations, especially when I first started climbing, about, because I, when I first started climbing, I just moved into an apartment by myself, I wasn't making a lot of money and I loved climbing and I wanted to do it but $80 a month to pay for a membership I was like okay um do I want to eat this month (laughs) or do I want to climb this month like it happened like it came to that I was living paycheck to paycheck and I think the majority of like the U.S. is living paycheck to paycheck when you really think about it Mm -hmm. or you have like a couple of hundred dollars here and there to to spend on this or that. I think I read some statistic basically that if you don't have enough money to cover a major, major, um, medical expense or an emergency, if it happens, you're not, you're not affluent. You're like living in poverty. Mm-hmm. Like that's the definition of you know, you're better off than somebody that's like in the negative in their bank account, but you're not like you're, you've been tricked into thinking you're like middle class, but you're not middle class. Like if some, if you could lose your home, if like you had to pay, some huge medical bill like that's not the way that we should be living as a society Mm -hmm. um and I think that you know for climbing it it, I it came to that for me and it was like I I paid my rent I paid my bills and then it was like oh I think I can live off just pasta this month and Mm -hmm. pay for like climbing and then like there are people that never have known what that feels like right Mm -hmm. and why is climbing so expensive, you know? And people, I remember having a conversation with somebody at the gym and she said, $80 is so easy to save. Like, just put it aside and you can put that towards climbing. It's not that hard. And it's like, yeah, it's not that hard, but if you're not making that money in the first place, how do you save that? Mm -hmm. If that money has to go to paying for three other mouths to feed, how do you save that? I think when you think of people that are not affluent or lower income, you, um, they have more than just themselves to think about. They have, they're working three jobs already. Sometimes they're working two jobs. And I think that escapes a lot of people because they've never been in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and make, yeah, making it more accessible. Like if you don't have a car, how do you get to the gym? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a car, how do you get out to a crab? Mm-hmm. If you're not able-bodied, 
how do you get to the crag? A lot of crags aren't even accessible, like hot, like Rhymer, some of the scrambling, especially to get over prototype wall. How my brother's in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. I've been like, hey, he has a cerebral palsy and he's had it all his life, and mm -hmm. I've tried to get him to come out climbing, and he's like, I can't. He's like, how? I'm, I don't, my legs don't work. Mm -hmm. And I think he uses that as an excuse not to be out and be social sometimes, but he has a point. Like if I wanted to take him out to Rhymer's. How do I get them out there? Mm -hmm. And these are just it, things to think about. I think when, like, because we don't necessarily have these factors that prevent us from doing what we're able to do, we don't think about it. Mm -hmm. And if society just changed like that, mm -hmm. I think we'd be making a step forward to be more inclusive in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, all very good points. Um, yeah, I found a charitable organization that I uh, donated to last month that's Climbing for Change, and they're raising money for, um, like, to get black, indigenous people of color, uh, get them certifications, so, like, whether it's route setting or, like, to be a coach or whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. They're doing things like that. Then they're raising money to get um, people to join competitions who couldn't necessarily afford them or to like go on these outdoor adventure trips and things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it'd be cool if there was something local though, like a Houston thing. Mm -hmm. And you could just get like, just um, get some young kids who couldn't necessarily afford it to um, get into the gym and have some fun and just climb on the walls yeah. and um, yeah I think it's just people wanting to volunteer their time for a better cause I think it's what helps make programs like this be successful mm -hmm. um, yeah 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 I mean I don't know exactly how it would look, you know, but, like, if I would be willing to, you know, volunteer my time to do it. Yeah, I would, too. Because it's something just that I'm passionate about, um, and it's easy, and it's, I, I can already tell it's going to be, like, super rewarding if, if it were right. to happen, like, just to, like, see smiles on faces and people having fun and like, just creating something else that they can do with their time mm -hmm. um active and and pushing and building relationships with other people too mm -hmm. i think that that's like important for youth development mm -hmm. but and yeah and then it comes back to like like you were saying like uh just awareness of what other people have have or are going through like it would allow me to like you know gain some perspectives on that of things that are you know far re removed from me at least I just it's not like really it's probably not far <laughs> you know it could be some of my neighbors you know <laughs> uh but like it's just something that I don't see very often it's like I don't have those conversations with people who are in poverty or yeah. whatever. Um, in college, I did, I had to choose a 
project to work on for six weeks. It was called and make a photo essay out of it for my photojournalism class. Mm -hmm. And I chose to follow a homeless couple around for six weeks. And mm -hmm. at the time I was working for a catering company and it was around the holidays. It like coincided with the holidays and we were working a lot of these um, like holiday parties. So all this food just gets thrown away afterwards. And the shift manager that I worked for would always be like, take some food home. I don't want to throw it away. Like take it and eat it and do whatever you want. Sometimes it was like baked oysters. It was like really good food that you'd pay a lot of money mm -hmm. to eat at like a restaurant. But I was following this homeless couple around for six weeks and I asked them like, why are you homeless? And they were like, if we could not be homeless, we wouldn't be homeless, but things just, I got behind on a payment on my house and then, you know, I couldn't catch up and then here I am, I found myself here. I think one of them had a, a business degree from like wow. the University of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And then there was like, I met a lot of different people from the community that said, you know, um, oh, we choose this lifestyle because we don't want to follow like the rules of society. But a lot of the people that I met were just that they didn't have the access to the healthcare that they needed for mental health, or they just didn't have a, a community that was able to support them if they got behind on payments. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah. And I, you know, I would bring them food from when I worked at the catering, um, catering company but being able to step into that into like what a day in their life was was it's very changing to me because I realized that sometimes people don't choose the situation they're in it's just how life takes them and if we were just more compassionate and understanding we could all help each other yeah absolutely yeah um my buddy Justin he interviewed a homeless person who hangs out like at Memorial in 610 mm -hmm. actually I haven't seen him in a long time but um and Justin was on a podcast he actually turned this into a song this <laughs> interview but the guy carried a sign that says the original spider-man oh yeah and uh he was like I gotta like find out what the deal is with the original spider-man <laughs> so he like interviewed him about it and he's he grew up playing basketball and um he was apparently like really fast and good on the court and they were like man the way that you move across the court like you know moving around like <laughs> you're like a spider <laughs> and so they started calling him the spider man that's awesome and that's the reason he carries around that sign um but yeah, I haven't seen him in a while, so I don't know. I hope he's all right up there. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's... And I don't know. I, I want to say he, like, bought him a meal and, like, just interviewed him over the meal. And it's, like, that's such a good idea. I think but, like, a lot of people just want someone to listen to them or just sit with them or just... Mm -hmm. Just company. Yeah. 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 I think... They're human beings, too, you know? Yeah, I... I tend to, you know, give to panhandlers every now and then, you, but, like, I don't, I've never done anything like that, where, like, yeah. I was, like, let's, let's hang out for a minute, 
especially like now that it's getting cold like taking someone in to get a warm drink in a starbucks or at a cafe or yeah i'm sure that like that would mean like that just that would help them out like so much because yeah I, like like i don't know i i couldn't imagine what it would be like to live on the streets mm-hmm. in the cold weather yeah for sure all right let's take a little break here um and we'll pick back up here in a minute okay hey we're back um i think we're actually just gonna wrap up the episode um i think we covered a lot so i appreciate you coming out kat yeah it was great chat about all the things we did yeah um and i wanted to make sure we plugged your photography and anything else you want to plug okay um so where can people find you (laughs) uh you can find me on instagram at cat ambrose photography or my website which is catambrosephotography.com perfect um yeah if you want to check out my work which covers a lot of things (laughs) yeah i'll share a link to uh check out the link in the show notes and uh yeah thanks again for coming out yeah thanks it It was a pleasure being here Hey everybody, thanks for listening. This month's charitable organization is Native Women's Wilderness. Um, And if you're a new listener and you're not aware of what I'm talking about for the charitable organization, um, every month I choose a charitable organization and then the money that I get from ads and from any donations from listeners like you, I take half of that money and I donate it to a charitable organization and that changes every month and I just kind of pick it based on well kind of whatever I want I guess and so yeah as I was saying this month I chose Native Women's Wilderness um, and their mission is to inspire and raise the voices of Native women in the outdoor realm to encourage a healthy lifestyle grounded in the wilderness to educate natives and non-natives on the rich beauty and heritage of the ancestral lands beneath our feet And so, yeah, I just, I found this organization online and it seems like they're doing some really cool stuff. Um, So, uh, yeah, please spread the word around, tell people to listen to the podcast and I'll make a little money from those advertisements. Or if you're feeling extra generous, uh, feel free to um, donate to the podcast and some of your funds will go to these organizations that I choose every month okay thanks for listening uh enjoy this little clip to end the episode productivity anxiety by rupee core i have this productivity anxiety that everyone else is working harder than me and i'm going to be left behind because i'm not working fast enough long enough, and I'm wasting my time. I don't sit down to have breakfast. I take it to go. I call my mother when I'm free. Otherwise, it takes too long to have a conversation. I put off everything that won't bring me closer to my dreams, as if the things I'm putting off are not the dreams themselves. Isn't the dream that I have a mother to call and a table to eat breakfast at? Instead, I'm lost in this sick need to optimize every hour of my day, so I'm improving in some way, making money in some way, advancing my career in some way, because that's what it takes. 
to be successful, right? I excavate my life, package it up, and sell it to the world. And when they ask for more, I dig through bones, trying to write poems. Capitalism got inside my head. It made me think my only value is how much I produce for people to consume. Capitalism got inside my head and made me think I am of worth as long as I am working. I learned impatience from it. I learned self-doubt from it. I learned to plant seeds in the ground and expect flowers the next day. But magic doesn't work like that. Magic doesn't happen because I've figured out how to pack more work in a day. Magic moves by the laws of nature, and nature has its own clock. Magic happens when we play, when we escape, daydream, and imagine. That's where everything with the power to fulfill us is waiting on its knees for us. Productivity Anxiety. <laughs>